This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. It's Greg here, everybody, from Enrollment Resources, and welcome to our little conference call. And we're going to teach you uh, about a, w- a way to grow your business, uh, your school, uh, with very little effort and without having to spend additional money. It's uh, a real um, oddball uh, little uh, little approach, but it works exceptionally well. And so take notes and ask questions. This is going to be a teaching session, and we'd love to just to help you out today. Uh, I'm going to make some introductions. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom King is uh, one of Shane and my colleagues is uh, he's a C-level person at Enrollment Resources, and he oversees uh, that um, all our clients who are using our software are happy and, and functioning and adopting our software, amongst other things. Tom speaks at conferences as well. Tom, welcome. Um, I'd like you to, you to introduce my business partner, Shane Sparks. Aha. Uh-huh. So welcome everybody. Uh, this is Tom, and uh, uh, joining us here is uh, Shane Sparks, co-founder uh, here at Enrollment Resources, uh, Chief Operating Officer, and oversees our fulfillment department, uh, making sure that all of our clients are getting phenomenal service and uh, the products uh, that can help them drive their conversion rates. Cool. Thanks. I'd like to. Um, uh, Hey, hey, Shane, welcome welcome to our talk today. Hey. Hey. So um, I'd like to introduce uh, Brian Willett. Brian is a very interesting guy. He's a, um, he helps people improve their conversions in the area of ad- admissions. And uh, Brian has a lot of interesting things to say. He's... Um, we like Brian because he's insightful and he, he actually thinks and um, he's an engaging guy and and so we're blessed to have Brian here on our call today. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Greg. Glad to be here. Excited to, uh, to yeah, see what we're going to talk about today. You know, I always say I like to, to show up to see what I have to say. You know what I mean? There you go. That's, that's uh, kind of how we all work here to a degree. So let's get rolling. Um, you know, I, I remember in a previous life I had this uh, realtor as a coaching client, and uh, this realtor made on average four times the uh, amount of income that the other realtors did on average in uh, the market that he was in. And it was consistent year in and year out. And this guy was kind of dull. He didn't have a flamboyant personality. He wasn't terribly persuasive. Yet he consistently just made hundreds of thousands of dollars every year where the other realtors did not. And finally I sat him down and I said, okay, do you have a system? Do you have a secret? And he said, yeah, I do. I have a system and a secret. And so what his system was is that all the tasks and tactics that he did as a realtor, just like all the other realtors, he made a point of doing them 2 to 3% better than all the other realtors. So he didn't try to do any wild, crazy things. He just a little bit better on every single item that he had to, 
to deal with as a realtor. Shane, that's an interesting uh, uh, little insight for our realtor friend, eh? Yes, yes. And, and Greg, <clears throat> you know, we, you, you often talk about uh, the kind of first loser, right? You mm-hmm. know, and, and given that the customer's only going with one school, right, it's not like they're going to buy a little bit of school A and a little bit of school B and a little bit of school C, right? So mm-hmm. that 1%, uh, yeah. if that's the difference maker, it's the 1%, the, the winner gets everything, and the second place, even if, gosh, they're so close, so, so close, first loser, nothing for you. Yeah, no soup for you. And then, you know, if you're first loser too often, then, you know, you're eating out of a dumpster, you know, m- metaphorically speaking. I mean, Tom... And Brian, who who came in second place to Usain Bolt uh, in the last Olympics? Uh, nobody, I don't know. Shane doesn't know. Um, yeah, but he was right. ten one hundredths of a second behind Usain Bolt, like a blink of an eyelash. He's really fast, really fast, <laughs> almost the fastest. But do we know who that guy is? No. No, of course not. No one not. cares. Nobody cares. No, it. It's sad, and it may be not nice, and it may be not fair, but that's life, right? It is. It's hard. It's hard. Life is hard. I mean, um, uh, the the Buffalo Bills back in the nineties, thereabouts, they had an amazing team. Did they win the Super Bowl? No. Bunch no. of first losers. Brian, are you a, a Bills fan? Yeah. No, no, I'm not a, a Bills fan, but yeah, you're, you're you're absolutely right. You know, being from Kentucky, you know, I always say, you know, who 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 was the runner up in the Derby, you know, last year? Who was the runner up when American Pharaoh, you know, became the uh, first Triple Crown winner in my lifetime? <laughs> you know, right? And so nobody nobody remembers those things, and so uh, your realtor friend there had it had it figured out. So how, how, so in, how do we help these folks be the American pharaoh in their market? Well, that's a great yeah. analogy. So what we're going to do today is we're going to in this we're going to teach you you folks on the school side listening today. Uh, I'll just leave you with half a dozen things that you can take away immediately and put to work. And uh, what you'll do is you'll see a rise in your revenue, um, some incremental rise in your revenue for a little bit of effort. As after this talk today, and it's gonna we're gonna basically get you kickstarted in thinking about how to take all those twenty or thirty engagement points, branding points, and strategic uh, um, alliance uh, points that are available to you in your school and make them just one, two, three percent better. So let's get started. So um, back in the day, there was this famous advertising guy named David Ogilvy. And he, uh, his agency was in Manhattan, and they'd done some amazing campaigns over the years. And he, famous guy, and he had stated that that the success of these campaigns were all steeped in little half percent, one percent, two percent wins. So one example that he gave was that when you have a headline, okay, on on the landing page or on your program pages of your website, that if you have a period at the end of that headline, 11% fewer people will move on 
and read the the rest of the body copy and then those 11% in not reading the body copy will reduce the lead uh, ratio the that not as many people will fill out a lead form Shane to me that seems insane a 1% um, not even it's like just dropping a, a period off of a headline is going to increase readership 11 12% you want to expand on that yeah gosh I love David Ogilvy so he, that, this is pre-internet, remember, when all this testing happened. And he started, do, or, so his company, Ogilvy & Mather, started doing serious testing in probably the 60s and in the 80s and through, you know, the rest of his life. And it was based on uh, difficult, difficult testing methodologies that we've now solved with the internet. So the, the 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 psychological belief that the the reason that's true that period at the end of the sentence is that it gives it gives a psychological end, right? You've completed the thought, it's done, and you can move on, and so it 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 um, doesn't create tension. The, the oh, there's a famous okay. copywriter named uh, Joseph Sugarman, and his formula is one we use and, and like. And his belief was the, the, the purpose of the headline is to get the prospect to read the subhead. The purpose of the subhead is to get them to read the first line in the body copy. The first line in the body copy purpose is to get them to read the second line, and so on and so forth. In that when you construct sales copy, right, advertising copy, which could be a website or a landing page, um, you're 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 trying to sort of just keep them rolling, and the longer you keep them rolling, the more likely they are to to make an inquiry at the end of that journey. Right. So period so. subheads, um, engaging, um, conversational tone and copy, all those things influence whether somebody reads it or not. And and we know from extensive studies over the last gosh, it's like 15 years we've been doing this now that people do read and that the principles that David Ogilvy uncovered, you know, in the fifties and beyond, uh, hold true in 2019. It's fascinating. So, so the, what's interesting then is that Sugarman and Ogilvy and Claude Hopkins and all these guys from a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, they would agonize over the headline because 80% of the people will read the headline and, and drift away. And we don't want it that figure to be 80%. We want it to be 50%. We want... Well, okay. Can, can I jump in? Well, there's one point. more thing I'd like to say okay. first and then jump in. Um, yes. So within that construct of that headline, when there's a period at the end of that headline, which is good grammar, and the English graduates roll their eyes and want to gag, but it, 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 it's a signal to complete a thought. So they're making a judgment on completing a thought. And then they jump off and they read something else because what was said in the headline is not enough to go and, and compel them to read on. But if you take the period out at the end of the headline, their mind's eye will be such that it'll just keep reading three, four, five words into the subhead. So now we've gone from reading the headline headline and the subhead and it evolves into 11% more people reading the entire ad sorry yeah. Shane yeah so jump in oh yes that those are all true things those are all true and they're as true today as they were 
uh, 50 years ago. You know, like people, we haven't really, you know, culturally we've changed a bit, but like, you know, our minds are the psychology, that the wiring that drives human behavior it hasn't changed. What what has changed, though, is that back in the day when they did these tests, it was expensive and difficult to to get a message out there, right? So you're running an ad in, I don't know, the Wall Street Journal, even the local paper. That was print. It was expensive. Uh, great craft and effort went into every single word in the advertising because they're spending so much money and there's so much effort to do it. With the Internet, right, with websites, it's it's easy to put stuff up, change it, and I think there is um, a, a, a tendency to be a bit more cavalier about uh, protecting the integrity of that real estate. Does that make sense? Online real estate. Yeah. And so just because it's easy doesn't make it not important. And I think that's the, you know, the periods aside, that's, that's the really important takeaway. Right, because that the the power of that headline and the power of the subhead and the power of the good copywriting, gosh, that like that's eighty percent of the persuasion, right? The graphics and the colors and the logo and the photos, all that stuff, that's maybe twenty percent of it. But the sure. majority of the persuasion is in the words you use. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the, oh, I was going to jump in here, Greg. Yeah, Go please. Ahead. Go ahead, no, Brian. I, I was. I was going to say, you know, it, you know, I've seen a lot of or, you know, even purchased a lot of products that uh, were the best marketed, right, had the best campaigns, um, meaning they were the best marketed, and they weren't very good products, whereas, you know, there's a lot of products that are very, very good that just don't have the right marketing around it. And, and so it really, you know, it doesn't matter – it's not about the best product. It really comes down to what's the best marketed, you know. And um, I have a um, a guy that uh, is an author, and he says, you know, one of his first books, you know, someone pointed out, and it's a best-selling book, Wall Street Journal, et cetera. You know, someone sent him an email and said, oh, there's 100, um, you know, there's 100 different grammatical errors in this book. And he, and he said he responded to him and said, look, it's not about the best written book. It's about the best sold book. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so, you know, and that goes back to, you know, making sure, you know, that headline obviously is just critical because that's the first thing people see. And if it doesn't capture people, uh, then, you know, you're already down by uh, a, a certain percentage, right? You increase. You're down a, you're down a pint, man. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that uh, in terms of marketing, in terms of admissions, uh, in terms of interpersonal communication, in terms of uh, what people read and what they watch and see, um, marketing is is as Shane likes to say, as the lifespan of a fruit fly. You've got you know a little headline to make grab and create start a relationship. Uh, video, um, radio, TV ads. You've got uh, I think it's five seconds. If you notice when you if you're watching television uh, that the, the networks that are driven by ad revenue, when there's an ad on by say McDonald's or what have you, every time the visual image changes, just snap your fingers, and you'll find that in a 30-second ad, you know you may have eight or ten times you've snapped your fingers, and that's because 
these um, these guys that make these ads, they change the visual picture to physiologically force you back to looking at the screen. Because uh, if you, what they've learned is if you can't grab someone in three to five seconds, you're going to be drifting, looking elsewhere, not paying attention to the ad. So this is a little nasty little tactic they use to bring you back. So the point being here is that whether it's a, a period that, by the way, everybody who's listening, go back to your websites, eliminate all the periods from your headlines. So that's a, a little a bit of homework that I, we want you to do. That's your first little takeaway. Um, but the point being is that we're dealing in seconds and words. And, t- and, and so let's not we've got to focus on that stuff. And so here's another example. Um, we know that, like regarding as an example, face-to-face meetings, the first eight seconds of prospective student, they'll judge, they'll judge an admissions rep. And if they judge them favorably, then that will give that rep 30 seconds to anchor the relationship. And then if successful, that gives the rep two minutes to connect and mutually qualify at kind of a high level. And if the rep can get through those three layers, then it's like a really, it's a real hot mess to kind of push through that. Um, then, and only then, do they have a chance to help the student gain clarity on this big lifelong career path that they're undertaking. So uh, like the headline subhead kind of an approach here, Brian, it really is the same with interpersonal relationship as it, as it as regards to, you know, admissions reps. Thoughts on that? Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, same, as you said, same exact kind of concept. And, you know, and I like the way you broke it down there. Uh, But, yeah, that first eight seconds, you know, the the prospective student or anybody in general in any kind of buying or information session is saying, first of all, do I like this person? That's the first question they're asking. Do I like this person? I mean, let's just be honest about it. And we, we try to size people up. Uh, it's happening immediately whether we're thinking about it or not, but it's going on. Do, do I like this person? The second question it, the prospective student is asking is, can this person help me? And so whether it's face-to-face, over the phone, and I know we'll hit on that later, but, um, you know, that's what's going on in their head. And so what can you say to, A, get credibility, right, to say, um, you, you know, to come across, let's just say, somewhat relational, building rapport, as we like to call it. Um, and then secondly, move it into that phase where we can show them that we can add value, uh, that we can provide some type of value to them. But if you, if you don't lock down those, that eight seconds and that 30 seconds, the admissions rep won't earn the right the person might spend an hour with them but in their mind they're 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 thinking about what they're having for dinner so right yeah absolutely yeah it's it's some so tom along with brian's saying um in addition to what brian was just speaking to there are the people that the admissions rep are talking to that have different value sets moral standards filters on how they view the world their social styles are Usually there's four or five social styles. So what the heck? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? It's, so you have eight seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes, and then 20 minutes. And then you're dealing with these people that have all these 
this matrix of views and filters and ways they want to be communicated to. It's getting, uh, it's like three-dimensional chess, eh, Tom? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, just to, to jump on what, what Brian said, I mean, you've got that first eight seconds, you know, of do I even like this person? Do I even want to talk to them? And then hopefully the rep, you know, presents that great wow first impression. This can also be on the phone in, as well as face-to-face. Um, and then people, you know, the emotional connection is important. So people, you know, people buy from people they trust, and people trust people they like, uh, and then they also will attach to people who believe the same things they do. So having a, a really great, you know, explanation of services, I don't like the word an elevator pitch necessarily, but you know, a really good explanation of what it is that you do uh, and why you do it, what, you, what do you believe, uh, why do you believe that, and how, do you, how, how are you different? Something that really can connect with that prospect to see that that prospect, you know, is believing and connecting with the person. And then having some additional insight through some type of a pre-qualification tool, uh, like our virtual advisor or something along that line, where we can gain a little bit of insight on what their social styles are so that you can best adapt to, to that person's style. Um, and, again, I'm not big into the whole mirroring and all of that other stuff, um, but I do believe that if you know that somebody's a, you know, a driver-style person uh, or somebody's just an expressive-type person, uh, you know, if you can communicate in a style you know, that, that they like and agree with and that they can make an emotional connection with, you know, you're giving yourself that, that leg up. And we know in admissions, and I think Brian can probably, you know, uh, confirm this as well, that it's all about strategy and probability. What strategies can you employ that increase the probability of your success? And that's knowing, you know, how to adapt to that prospect, knowing how to greet, how to can create that emotional connection um, will make you a lot more successful and improve your So, business. Shane, along the lines of what the gentlemen are saying, one strategy um, at that to, to go and get through that first eight seconds is to not stink. Right? Well, no, okay, it's a stupid comment. I, I, I grant you that, but I am, I am accurate. And the point being is that inside that bucket of eight seconds, Shane, there are several things that a person can do to right-size their odds of getting to the 30 seconds and so on and so on. So, smile Shane, warmly. Smile warmly. That? Yeah, smile warmly. Smile. Maybe not, not come off like your, you know, focused attention. I, I was reading an article on um, active listening, right? You know, which it seems simple, right? Just I listen. know what you say by active listening, Shane. Tell me more. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> active listening. You know, that's, you know, gosh, most of us do not feel heard in our lives, Right. You know, this is a silly thing, but if if you're breaking it down into eight seconds, with, with eight thirty, two minutes, twenty minutes, which I think is a great way to think about it, right? Okay, how do I make a good impression in eight seconds? Hey, say hello in a friendly way, smile, you know, be well dressed, but not too well dressed, uh, warm but confident, uh, and not over eager to. Um, you know, you know, not over eager, not over familiar. Right? Start with hello. Make eye contact, but not in a creepy way. I'm really glad you came in today. I'm looking forward to learning more about what you want. 
you know, that would be a nice thing. So really, I think the assignment for the people who are listening uh, in our talk today is to take those uh, 8 seconds, 30 seconds, 2 minutes, 20 seconds, grab Tom or Brian or whomever as a facilitator maybe, and just brainstorm what are all the favorable things to put in those little buckets. And it, it will, just going through that exercise alone will stack the, the stack the odds in the favor of a rep and maybe their conversion rate goes up um, I don't know 10% overall I have a, I have a story man okay yes there was, there was a book written I don't know some time ago by a guy named Malcolm Gladwell called blink and in this book he describes uh, the ability of human beings to make snap decisions with incredible accuracy and that the more time, in many cases, the more time we give to a decision, the less accurate our decision is, right? And we just, we're we're able to just, with not very much information to make determinations that are surprisingly accurate. That's what really what you're talking about is, and so that gut check, right? How do I feel? Uh, this is what's happening. Does this feel good or not? That gut check, those moments, are are what kind of I, I think we're just, we're talking about here. And so, as a leader in an organization, um, you, your gut check on your people is is <clears throat> kind of the first blink or the first slice of this. And if you right. think there's a problem, there probably is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the, maybe an action that can be taken for the people on the call is if, if you buy into this and think about it in these you know, increasingly less granular time frames, uh, have some kind of discussion or training or brainstorm with the staff. Get, if you can get the admissions people to understand it and kind of buy into that idea, it helps them frame themselves. Uh, it helps them... Uh, okay, I can't it increases their batting average, and it allows them to better create an empathetic environment with a prospective student so that um, you can help that student go in and, and break a cycle of poverty or improve their avocation versus just a crummy mm-hmm. job. It's, it's uh, about creating um, kind of tactical little buckets of assets, arrows in the quiver, that can be used to get a prospective student to a point where you can do some good quality work with them to help them improve their career path. Um, and then I guess the thing is, is if you do improve the conversion rate by 10%, call it two students a month, that's like a half a million dollars a year per rep, which is corporately very good. I want to switch back here now back into the lead gen side. Okay, Shane, listen, we did this test, this crazy test. Katie Ellen in her office did a test by, she had a gut and she said, what if in our headlines, if we put the word get in, into the headline, like get a career in, blah. And it's like an innocuous thing. It's like, like the period coming off a sentence. It's adding the word in, get. And Tell a story. It's like a 30% increase in lead flow. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it was. It's become our, our, our get the skills to be uh, whatever. 
is is our our go-to headline now. It's been our control. It's called the control in in uh, testing. So the control just means the one that is the current winner. Um, we, you know, we we test things on an ongoing basis, uh, and the headlines, of course, are so important. So we've we've tested many, many, many headlines over the years. The get the get the skills. Uh, gosh, I, I, it was I think twenty four percent or twenty eight percent. It was one of those two. I can't remember. Um, improvement when we had run it, and then we've retested against that headline. I don't know how many times over the years. And it's, it is, it's super fascinating. So why is the gather, get the skills so, so powerful? I, I think it's an action word. It, it implies a benefit, right? Who, who doesn't want to get something? Uh, it, but, but if I can jump in, yeah. I think if you and I are having a beer and looking at each other about this test, we're talking about it, we don't 100% know, do we? No, that's one <laughs> thing about. That's why testing is so interesting, and that's really what. To me, that's the most interesting part of the work we do, and 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 the biggest benefit to um, digital marketing is the ability to test these kind of things with accuracy, in in um, you know in, in a relatively easy way, right? You know, back to yeah. the example in the old days. You know, if you're testing headlines, you're counting, literally, physically counting coupon returns, or like documenting phone calls, which is or, a huge or, margin of error. Or testing radio copy, you have to plow through twenty thousand dollars in radio buy to get that nailed down. Yeah, um, yeah. Now you can do it a lot quicker. Yeah, now you can do it a lot quicker. You know, you can see pretty quickly your results. You know, and I think that's there's benefits and challenges to that today, obviously. Sometimes we well, don't we don't test it enough, right? We think, oh, we got a small sample size and we run with it. Um, so the, that's the the downside to the quick response, but uh, obviously more upside than downside. Oh, exactly, Brian. I mean, Tom, I you know we we have a thing where it, we tell people if some enrollment management guru or whatever says they have a huge fail-safe idea, you run as fast as you can to get away from that person because they're lying. And nobody, nobody, Tom, has a, the big home run idea or rarely do. It's really about incremental testing of these tiny little things um, which through an iterative process will get people to best practice and to maximum revenues. You, you want to? You've done a lot of this kind of work. Pile in here. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, like. no, you're, you're exactly. Yeah, you know, that's that's exactly right. I mean, really, there's there's not gigantic breakthroughs that are just earth shattering anywhere. Uh, in fact, many things are 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 uh, rehashed from old ideas with with tweaks to them. So really, it's uh, you know how well can you improve? the individual processes. Can you make a, a, a slight change or a test here? Does it improve you a percent or two or three or four uh, as, as you go through? And, and what I think fear of failure prevents people from really trying a lot of these things. They're, they're afraid that, oh, well, if I mess with my website, uh, I could kill my traffic and I, you know, I won't have any leads and I won't be able to make my start and 
what have you, or I can't train my people on a different greeting uh, or entry because I can't take them away from being on the phone. So I think it's just it's fear uh, of failing, and again, failure is where all of the great ideas come from. You, you know, you've got to fail numerous times uh, to to find some of these little things that work, and that's where the, the groundbreaking break, you know, the the great breakthroughs come from. Well, you know, an interesting analogy there is that uh, Google, Facebook, Amazon, um, all these guys, uh, Fang, I believe the group are called, all came out of the 2000 dot-com collapse. Failure everywhere. And and this is a message to those listening who are in the not-for-profit sector. In making little 1% tests, you can put safety nets underneath but you need to have somebody above you say it's okay to embrace failure, and in a like a bureaucratic business model uh, where job security is preeminent and and you need to create a culture to fail, and it's it's kind of a uh-huh, it's a gutsy thing to do, but it allows you to that's the best way to go and navigate your way out of these problems. The, the the thing about it is though there's there's opportunities to import from other industries. I'm I'm shifting uh, uh direction here a tiny bit. For instance, uh here's something for everybody. Go back to your website, go to your photographs and then take best practice from magazines and write a caption underneath the photographs, okay? And what you'll find is more people will fill out lead forms. Now, Shane and I were where we have some guesses as to why, but it doesn't really matter. Test it, and you'll find maybe your lead flow might go up uh, five, five, seven percent. It's an easy thing to do. So there's some homework for you guys. Here's another one. Um, okay, I'm going to flip this to Brian in a sec. Um, admissions reps make outbound calls, uh, maybe 30, 40 calls, 50 calls a day. Some of these corporate guys, 100 calls a day. We'll call it 40. And they are leaving phone messages for people. And so let's just stop and create a notion that the phone message is a radio ad that has a, an audience of one person instead of 10,000. And so if that's true, if that notion is true, then uh, you can take the best practices from direct response marketing, you know, the, the ads for ab busters and corn removal medicine and all that, bring that split testing of direct response toward that phone message and have the admissions reps split test different ways to leave a message and have the discipline to do it. And after six, seven renditions of testing, you should be able to create a 5 to 10% lift to the number of people returning your calls. So, Brian, people might say 5%, big deal, that's nothing. But, Brian, we run the math, and the numbers are pretty big, aren't they? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's staggering, honestly. If, uh, if you want, everyone can go online and Google search uh, the, the very title of this uh, webinar, which is, if you just do 1% a day more than everyone else, you will do 38% uh, better than everyone else after, at the end of the year. You will be 37 to 38 times better than everyone else because it's the law of comp- compounding interest. And so uh, 
Yeah, so you can just look at it. There's a great book, and, again, I encourage everyone to read it. I, I study habits, right, because habits are what drive us every single day. They say anywhere from 50 to 70% of what we do every single day is habitual, meaning we don't have to think about it. And so when you fall into that habit, right, you, you, it's hard to get out of it, right? It's, you, you go to the – you take the same path to work every day, right? You, you go to the same coffee shop. You, you, you know, either you take the same path into the office, whatever it is. And so if you think about the habits that are created when you're just making phone calls, what if you could get a 1% lift um, by testing, right, by just testing – a few different uh, processes, as you said, uh, Greg. Uh, I worked with a guy a long time ago. Um, we had a high school program at the university, and he tested how many inquiry cards he would get based off the color of his tie. And so, um, you know, you just got to take a step back and say, let's be more methodical about our approach to admissions, recruitment, and success for that matter. And, um, you know, there's some things you can do, but you have to force yourself to do those things. It just doesn't happen by accident, you know, because that's what habits are. And so well, that's gotta, it. And, and so split testing is a contrived, methodical process that doesn't cost money, doesn't take extra time, um, but it does require a little bit of, of discipline. And and in this phone message example, if somebody leaves, I'm going to say 20 phone messages a day. Um, that's 400. And, uh, that's 440 a month. Five percent more people reach back to them. We'll say conservatively, it usually is 10. Uh, that's 22 additional meaningful conversations. And so the typical conversion rate, Tom. When somebody gets somebody on the phone having a meaningful phone conversation, it's was that ten twenty percent range uh, along those lines to, to set an appointment with them or just to have a conversation. No, if you if you get someone on the phone and you're having a chit chat with them, uh, that's what typically a ten to twenty percent um, percent turning sure. into a student, something like that. Oh, turning into a yeah okay turning into a student yeah. Absolutely. I think about 20% of the people that you'll have a, a, a phone call with will eventually turn into a student. So that's, yeah. in this silly example, it's four students a month. That's uh, 50 students a year. It's a million dollars in additional revenue per rep per annum. Why go buy a bunch of disgustingly crappy third-party leads, eh, Shane, when you can just do some internal testing like that. Shane, you want to talk to that? Is it... Oh, yeah, gosh. The, um, uh, oh. Well, okay, let me reframe it for you, Shane. So, you know, uh, we improve um, websites for our clients by improving the conversion rates, by dropping periods, adding in the word get. Like We have a toolkit of 30-odd things that we can apply to a website to improve the conversion rate. And let's just say we improve the conversion rate by 1% even. And let's say a school is 3% to start with. It's like a 25% improvement in lead flow. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so if we're talking about like website conversion, and, and let's define it just so everyone's clear on the call. We talk about website conversion, we're saying of the traffic you already get, right? If you get, I don't know, 10,000 people that come to your website or 1,000 or 500 or whatever it is, um, what percentage of those convert to an, uh, a lead, right? So if it's 1,000 and it's 3%, 2 and two to 3%, which is kind of typical, that means you're getting, what, 20, 30 leads per 1,000 visitors, right? And so that 1% improvement, which could be the period on the head of um, the, the, removing the period on the headline or better copy or split testing or, as Brian said, you know, kind of being conscious of habits. Like I think that unconscious behavior is, you know, the habitual behavior, if it's not challenged, right, if you're not saying, well, hey, is this the best sales proposition or is this the best thing we should be saying about, we, we can be saying about our score, is this the best description or the best... You know, if, if we don't challenge those things, nothing changes and performance stays the same, right? So that 1% one, 1 improvement on that 1,000 visitors, that's an extra 10 leads, you know, that's an enrollment. Yeah. That's out of, students. Out of, that's yeah, whatever that is, 150 grand. You don't have to spend money or hire people. No. You just look inward and have some self-discipline. So... I think we're getting close to being out of time, and um, there might be some questions. So um, the three of you get a, a shot at kind of leaving one last little pearl here for those listening. So, Brian, let's start with you. Is there any uh, one along this topic, little pearl of wisdom that you want to leave with the folks here that are listening? Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, going back to habits and, and time, um, when you're working within an institution, you know, time, it, you know, gets away, right? You don't know where your time is being – well, you know where your time is being spent sometimes. Uh, and it's hard to, to make the time to do some of these things. And so uh, whether you do it yourself or you partner with somebody um, – you know, the key is just making the time to do it. And if you can't make the time, you can either, you know, make the time for yourself or go buy the time, right? I always say you can buy time, meaning you can go pay someone else to do it. Um, and and sometimes the better way to do it is go pay someone to do it. Um, and I'm not doing that for any kind of self-promotion here, but that's just the reality of life. Uh, if you're busy, you got to buy some of your time back. And so the best way to do that is to is to go and, and partner with people. There, there you go. That's a good pearl to leave. Uh, Tom, oh, Brian's thoughts are interesting. What do you what do you have to leave with folks here on the call today? I mean, I think uh, you know, to me, the largest takeaway and you know, the things I've I've really you know garnered the most from from uh, what you guys do is. You know, split testing and, and trying new things is absolutely critical. And unless, and I'm just a, a comment, you know, a few minutes back, if you're going to split test a voicemail message or a script for appointment setting or a new different way to handle the, the uh, career planning session or the interview, if you don't role play and practice those things, and enforce the the habits to, to being done. 
it's not going to pay off. But you've got to at least try to experiment, try some new things, and really, really focus on split testing. And split testing is not just your, you know, your website and, and your marketing tools. It's really all of your processes, but your, your admissions process, there are so many things that you can tweak in there that can make a 1% improvement 20 different ways you know, that's a 20% a 20 improvement is not out of the question, but you've got to try it. You've got to be willing to fail. Uh, and then you've got to also make sure that your people absolutely have a script or something that they're working from, and they're not just winging it. Otherwise, it does you no good to test. Mm-hmm. Got it. Shane, how about you? What, well, these guys have left a couple little nice little ribbons on this. What are your thoughts, bud? You know, as, as this talk was going on, I, I'm really glad that Brian had brought up that habits thing because I think if, if there's an overarching lesson like path to improvement, it, it's, it's, it's willingness to challenge status quo, which is just a mm-hmm. different way of saying what uh, Tom and Brian have said. Right, like I, I, you know, I have an operational roles, right? So my job here is to make sure things are delivered smoothly, that we innovate new stuff, that we find better ways of today than, or tomorrow than today, right? That's that's our job here, and I personally I find um, a lot of those ideas come out of saying, well, hey, why do we do it that way? What was that deliberate? How did that happen? Right? Or can we do better? And rechallenging, always rechallenging existing ideas, and so mm-hmm. that that's that breaking that habitual behavior, at least being aware of it, right, or it's or the unconscious behavior. I think because that's that's the 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 foundation for innovation, right, and and the split testing and the one percent improvements. Those are, that's an expression of innovation, and the mm-hmm. foundation for it is like challenging status quo and if you can't do that or you, then there, there there will never be innovation and someone else is going to out hustle you and you're going to end up the you know the second place guy to the Usain Bolt in your market <laughs> so innovation is and it, and breaking out of ruts and what have you is really you don't so folks on the call you don't need to have any superb special skills you just have to have a willingness to take a little thing be open to testing and kind of breaking the status quo and then trying to beat the control through testing take tiny little things and methodically do that and so the talk today what it's brought back for me is that in enrollment management what we're doing is we're trading in seconds and groups of little words and um, that's really where the 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 juice uh, gets squeezed and the the value is created for helping our schools get more kids uh, on a great path to a new career and um, it's seconds and it's words so folks on the call start thinking around that that kind of context um, makes marketing and admissions easier if you're playing at a granular level so um i just before we we peel off on the call uh here if anybody wants to ask a question of tom or brian or shane or i um we're here to help you uh it's uh 
you want to be on a podcast, just press star six and ask a question. We'll just wait a few seconds, and if nobody clicks, then we'll we'll say goodbye. So. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there's a brave person. Who's this? Hey, it's, this is Chris. I'm not that brave. Oh, hi, Christy. Okay. Um, I have a question from Bridget, I believe, for Brian. Um, she was wondering what, if you know the name of the book regarding habits that you had recently read. Yes. I have studied habits because obviously it goes into training and development, breaking habits, status quo. And uh, last year a book by the name, uh, the author's name is James Clear. The book is called Atomic Habits. Um, It went into my top probably ten book I've ever read just in that area on willpower, habits, and, and just people. So uh, that's the name of the book. There's Atomic another book, Shane, another book, you guys, uh, that um, speaks to the anatomy of a habit. And I, na- I forget the exact name of it, but, uh, Shane, it's by Charles Duhigg. Um, it's is a yellow the, book. Uh, the, yeah, the, yellow, the Power of Habit. The Power yeah. of Habit as well. Excellent book. Yeah, okay. both of them are. Yeah, both of them are really good. Uh, any other questions? I know we have about 150 on the call here today. Um, sometimes we have shy people listening and sometimes very boisterous. Um, anyone want to weigh in or ask a question? Press star six. Nope. Okay, well, I think what we'll do is we're going to wind it, wind up. We've had a long kind of a vociferous conversation. And uh, folks, if you have any uh, questions about this topic and you want to go deeper, you can contact Brian. Uh, uh, just look up Brian Willett on LinkedIn, and or you can talk to any of us at Enrollment Resources, and we're happy to personalize this conversation for you. Um, but otherwise, go take those little bits of homework we've given you and go put it to work, and then see watch your sales go up a bit. It'll be exciting. So take care, everybody, and uh, knock them dead. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, innovations in enrollment management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.